Hi, everyone. Welcome to Party Like a Marketer, the podcast dedicated to cannabis marketing, PR, and storytelling produced by the Cannabis Marketing Association. We are so excited to be back for season two and can't wait for you to see all of the new guests and content we have in store. My name is Lisa Buffo and I am your host. You can follow us on Instagram at Party Like a Marketer and at Canna Marketing. And you can find me at Leebuff and we'd be happy to connect with you. Today's guest is Arundhati Dandapani, and she's the founder of Generation1.ca, a platform that connects newcomers to brands and industry through data storytelling. She's the CIO at the Marketing Research Intelligence Association in Canada, as well as a board member of the Institute for Certification of Computing Professionals. She's an action-led research association leader, and she cares about connecting data insights professionals in unique ways. Our conversation for this episode is focused around Arundhati's research in the cannabis industry. What can cannabis brands look like? What can cannabis brands learn from digging deep into data? And what does the future look like? Don't forget for more insights to join us at this June's Cannabis Marketing Summit on June 8th through 10th. You can find out more information at thecannabismarketingassociation.com. Hi, everybody. Welcome to season two of Party Like a Marketer, the cannabis marketing podcast where we focus on talking about best practices and cannabis marketing and communications and telling the stories of those who are working in this space. Today's guest is Arundhati Dandapani, who is a Canadian-based market researcher. And she's going to tell you a little bit about some data and what she has learned today as well. So Arundhati, thank you so much for being here this morning. Hi, Elisa. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to uh, it's great to connect again. Uh, I mean, I, I love I love what you're all doing. Um, uh, being in the research association space, uh, being a research association leader, so so happy and honored to connect with you. And uh, you've recently participated in one of our events, so so really excited that uh, that you're doing this. And thank you for the invite. Yes, thank you. I, I had a blast at that event. So first, tell us a little bit about what you do. Tell us a little bit about MRIA and give our listeners um, some background into you as well. Yeah, thank you. So um, I've been very much in the, um, I guess, in the media and, and publishing industries back uh, in close to three decades, but then moved closer into market research more in the uh, in the last six years when I found that there was a lot of uh, lack of communication between the the marketing function and uh, sales function as well as the and the and the publications and so uh, the, the disconnect between content and, and audience and, um, and 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 audience measurement really really baffled me and we never got to know how many why some books had higher print run than others so so entering the research space i found that um, uh, that yes, there's a lot of different industries, a range of um, high to low regulated industries. And um, and in Canada, about three years ago, there was a lot of excitement around uh, cannabis coming becoming fully legal. And although uh, it's been it's been around for a very long time, it's a very um, it's kind of uh, almost seen as a mature industry. It is a mature industry. Um, the, the legal market has has just come into is just about coming through its own in Canada. So it was an exciting uh, industry to to look at and to see how they were really trying to you know, to blaze new trails. And um, and so my work has mostly been focused on the research and uh, in uh, different small startups, big organizations as well. And I found that the nonprofit association space is where I truly I truly belong and make an impact. And and I think that uh, and and to be connected 
with such such uh, such marvelous individuals as yourself, you know, who um, who insights really serve the marketing function, and uh, that's why it's a true privilege to be um, to be in such an industry that's uh, that that's vibrant and thriving and depends on uh, on industries such as the cannabis industry, such as the marketing industry, such as the other um, numerous industries to really tell our uh, tell meaningful stories to our different stakeholders. Meaningful stories is definitely the key. And I think all good marketing is good storytelling. And um, having data and good research is almost a first step in making sure you're reaching the right audience. But before we jump into that a little bit, tell us a little bit about MRIA specifically and uh, your role there. Yes, thank you. So um, it's the Marketing Research and Intelligence Association. It's a member-based nonprofit association that's um, uh, that unites and connects research professionals uh, across the spectrum of industry. Um, it, it, it represents all aspects of the market research and business intelligence and social research industries. And as it evolves quickly to adapt to how industry is changing and how industry is, um, is moving so quickly. Uh, I mean, we see a lot of uh, shifts in the landscape itself and, and the competitive landscape. And, um, and I think uh, the important of community and the importance of association is, is really important to industry in, in helping um, connect the uh, connect connect the buyers with the sellers and, and and to grow the value of the marketplace through through through, you know, through meaningful opportunities resources and culture so I think uh, that's that's what we strive to do and my uh, my role as the chief editor and intelligence officer CIO in, involves uh, does we deal with a lot of member data but also other data and um, and as well as uh, trying to um, build an architecture of how the how the how the culture should look like how, how the industry should look like and how it should adapt and where we should focus our strengths on and where should we should focus on our strengths and where we should focus our energies on as the as, as the market adapts and and we're seeing a lot of new uh, new players in the market and attracting uh, new kinds of clients to the industry, new different sectors, especially the cannabis sector. Uh, insights is pretty, I mean, I wouldn't, I don't want to say it's pretty new to them, but it is. So uh, yeah, it's, um, uh, so it, it, it's these opportunities. And then you have these big uh, other tech firms and how technology is really helping the research industry. So, so it's trying to connect all these different moving parts. And this is what really excites me. And it's part of my everyday. So, uh, so it's true. Um, it's a true honor to talk about that and, and to be part of that move. <laughs> totally. That's awesome. So um, can you talk a little bit about what can market research tell us about the cannabis industry as a whole and maybe just preface it a little bit with how MRIA, I guess maybe how and when MRA got into cannabis and then what, what research is saying about, you know, high level, what is it saying about the industry and maybe particularly in Canada, if you have that lens. Yeah. So, um, uh, the MI particularly, I mean, like, uh, like any good association is, is, is trying to, uh, is, is wants to keep track of the best practices and, and, uh, and, and as the legal cannabis industry evolves and, and uh, for an industry as fast moving as this, um, to have a set of uh, standards is not necessarily the best um, I mean, the most pragmatic or the practical way out for most companies. So uh, coming out with guidelines and, and good practices, which are adaptable and moldable to the different organizations, business objectives, uh, and the scope of that solves the, the scope of their research questions and, and that really, uh, that really solves their specific problems. I think, I think that's that's the value add and the and the service that that, that we offer in terms of um, if if a company is looking to do some research in the cannabis space, yes, we can guide and advise them. Okay, here are the here are the best practices. We can understand the scope of problems they're facing. We can connect them with other um, other participants in the space um, uh, across the depending on what what 
area of the research, they, uh, for example, they're trying to choose an online sample provider uh, to conduct an online survey of, about a certain topic uh, that's possible, or if or they're looking for a major, or they're looking for a major study, um, the largest Canadian study uh, on, on cannabis consumers, we can connect them with that, or, or if they're looking for some uh, for insight on point of sale data, um, uh, connecting, we have partners in, in that space as well, so um, so connecting them with uh, with them, and then, so, so the best practices will really differ, or the good practices will really differ based on where they're coming from and what kind of research they're looking to do. So, and then there's qualitative research, there's quantitative research, and then there's this, um, there are so many other aspects uh, broadly, and then there are so many other aspects of um, hybrid and, and, and multi-method and multimodal research that, um, that, that is really, uh, that really requires a lot of complexity, nuance, and granularity that can only come when we do one-on-one uh, -on -one consulting with them or uh, try to see what where they what they want to achieve with their with their research um so 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 yes i mean i, I think it, it, it's always good to have an association that that lobbies for you it all that protects you that protects all participants in the research chain and uh, that is aware of the of the regulatory landscape um that is aware of the uh, the the level of innovation that uh, or, or the constraints to innovation that exist uh, and and that can um that can help and protect uh, the different participants in, in the research uh, process but i think one three things stick out like uh, the consumers are always concerned about safety Safety, and we want to make sure that all our participants are, um, uh, our, our research participants are aware of that. And, and uh, throughout the throughout the research process, we need to put in guidelines on how they're communicating safety and um, and not and proper this proper sort of education and information to these different touch points. And I think uh, access to varied points of data uh, and makes a better sense of, of the picture of the marketplace. And I think so. We are globally a ninety billion dollar plus marketplace, and and I think. Uh, attracting the investment of fast-growing industries like cannabis can really maximize the opportunity of, of both industries. And um, there's a lot in the way of um, compliance and regulations and a lot of these ERRP or enterprise resource uh, planning and um, non-plant touching companies, they don't have to worry about uh, too much of, um, or they're, they're, the, the challenges and opportunities they face with compliance are different from what uh, plant touching industries face. So then we right. have um, so there's technology, big data, or statistical software companies. So they have different best practices. So, so we must leverage this. I think this advantage to to really grow the knowledge around um, around the industry. And I think there's a lot of generosity in these cannabis tech companies willing to share their data. So, so, so we can really understand the problems facing the industry, and we need to use our researchers, the, the industry of researchers, to uh, to really be able to help us connect the dots and um, across these different point uh, these points of data, so we can tell the right stories. And um, and I think more Destigir from Cresco Labs uh, at one of our sessions, he, he he built a kind of a tent or a pyramid of of, of data maturity for organizations. So I think um, I think that was that was useful in, in helping organizations decide their uh, big and uh, their data strategy as they navigate both big and small data in this uh, in this rather disparate marketplace. Um, but, uh, but yes, I will refer to the other other participants as well. But I think um, I think this is this is a really great uh, great question. I think I think that the future the future is brighter. There's more collaboration, and cannabis has really shown that for for more industries and especially through the pandemic and we can talk about that later but but i think um but yes it's broadly um broadly we can solve better problems together and uh and there's a lot of creativity and innovation when uh when a highly regulated industry and a low regulated industry self-regulated industry interact with each other and i think uh there's actually fireworks so um uh, so you can see it you can see it in, in seminars like the one we just conducted conducted but um curious uh, any other thoughts any other comments would you uh, have any so have you seen in your research and in your work, have you seen any, and I'll leave this open-ended, but have you seen any trends or data 
um, that surprised you? Any storylines out there that you see as, as a kind of overarching theme or something that you've been digging into more that might've been different than what you've expected? Because what I'm trying to tease out is some data points uh, for our listeners because there is such a need for the information out there. So anything you've seen that's been, uh, is worth sharing? Yeah, so I mean, uh, I think the fact that it's despite its newness, it's sustained success uh, in the span of three years here, um, but longer where you are has, uh, has, has been a surprise and a model to follow. So um, I think uh, what has been broadly, what has been surprising has been the uh, how it's adapted to changing market demands, how it's going to market, the alliances it's building, you know, the uh, these equity, sustainability and governance models it, it's, it's trying to build. Um, uh, but, but I think all of this comes from it's being rooted in community that's very conscious about the, the culture it creates around personalization, safety and education. And, and that's precisely why it's able to house so much um, dissent and diversity of opinion and data. I mean, when Cannabis 2.0 came to Canada, we could now touch, feel, smell, wait, or apply cannabis. And, and this was, um, and this brought a lot of, um, this brought a lot of expectations and anticipations uh, to, to the marketplace. And one of the surprises- Can you here, just elaborate on Cannabis 2.0 for those who don't know what, yes. what that was? Yes, so um, it was a year into adult use legalization, um, new and diverse product formats hit the market. We had chiefly uh, flower market. We know Canada and the US are both chiefly flower driven markets, but uh, Cannabis 2.0, which marked um, uh, two years of legalization, we had uh, we had um, other formats enter the marketplace. So there were there were edibles, there were there were, pre there were vapes, there were edibles, there were topicals, um, and, 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 and everyone concentrates and, and people could now, um, I, I mean, the rollout was a bit criticized because the provincial rules differ across the country. Mm -hmm. So, um, but but format remained the top, the second most important factor affecting purchase decisions. So it was important to, to understand how um, uh, how people were receiving cannabis 2.0. Now, just I guess. Just a few months into care, that happened in October, November, December, and then the pandemic hit us. So COVID-19 just threw um, a lot of new surprises. And I think the surprise there was really how um, uh, the story of uh, the success of vapes, vapes really took off, close on the heels of the vaping crisis down in the US where uh, there's a lot of um, uh, concern and around safety and, uh, and inhalation and, and, you know, and, and, using, uh, and using vapes. But I think I think this was this was one of the surprises because also not just because of that, but also because consumers, according to Vivi data, which is um, the largest consumer study uh, on, on cannabis consumers in Canada, uh, they report um, a, a negative impact of cannabis consumption on the consumption of vapes. Now they report a negative uh, a negative impact of cannabis consumption on things like even drinking alcohol and uh, which is which is why again cannabis is seen as. Um, so as you're a, saying you're saying cannabis consumption went down because of when you say negative impacts, can you clarify what that means? Yes, yes, sorry. So, so uh, the, the, the more they consume cannabis, the less um, uh, they consumed uh, the weeps or the, the, the al or alcohol. They didn't, it didn't give, a, didn't create a desirable effect and it didn't go together. And you've seen- And can uh, you clarify vapes? Are those the tobacco-based vapes like Juul? Yes, yes, oh. yes, yes. And I think that signified a huge, uh, a huge um, health and wellness benefit or, or kind of, um, uh, or, or where the market was going, and 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 one of the other surprises here, right here, is I mean we have a huge uh, rec market, so um, uh, recreational user user base, and that's that that's currently dominant, um, and um, I, I think it's sixty thirty, and um, uh, and sixty and, rec thirty medical, yes, yes, yeah, and and I think that's. Um, 
the 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 uh, the, 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 the the great thing about that is that um, or I guess the, the surprise there is that uh, these are not very regular users. The records are not very regular. Maybe they can uh, take twenty three percent of them. They in Canada. It. Yes. Yes. It's more um, maybe one, uh, less than once. It used to be weekly. Used to be the top uh, use of regular use in uh, in 2019, according to Vividera, uh, in 2019. And then in 2020, it moved. Um, uh, now the most regular use of uh, of these rec users is, uh, is is noted as less than every couple of months. So I think that the frequency has gone down. Interesting. So yeah, but but, but they, they still remain the dominant, but they still their frequency has gone down. So I think uh, I, I don't know. I, I like think I think it speaks to the uh, to the benefits maybe or, or perhaps the microdosing and uh, the the information around um, around you know savoring uh, savoring it for for its users. And but but I think uh, the, the it's the health and wellness uh, uh, the side. Uh, population that's that's more driving uh, potential users. That's more attractive to the potential users. Potential users are more concerned about the about the health and wellness uh, about the health and wellness users of, of cannabis. And I think and this is what uh, and this is where uh, and this is particularly driven by the 45 and 45 plus age group who who are increasingly the the, the largest that uh, they're driving um, uh, adoption in this space. And um, I, I think. Uh, that that's the that's the and another thing is one about one million CBD users entered the market and uh, and this is observed by both our Canadian uh, colleagues in at Vividata but also uh, this is during COVID and and also our partners and uh, our colleagues at uh, high yield insights in, in the US so that's I a think lot there is some similarity yes that's some similarity in um uh, in, in some data points there and and I think this really uh, really provided for some interesting insight around the health and wellness space and opportunities there in, in terms of potential use so I think potential uses are really the and potentially use again around pain remedy and um, pain and around uh, relieving, uh, re um, I guess, turning off from uh, opiates, which is again uh, another big, big problem, separate problem, yeah, uh, especially in the West. So um, I think um, this has been so. This has been interesting, and this has been surprising the the potential rise of the health and wellness consumer, and we've been hearing it from every every major cannabis uh, research supplier, and it's been it's been worth noting and it's been worth studying. Um, it is not uncommon knowledge that I guess stress, uh, boredom, and social isolation were uh, the increased reasons for um, consumption during during COVID. But um, but according to video, one about one in ten consumers turned to cannabis during uh, during the pandemic. So I think that's uh, that, that's that's one in ten who had not been consuming before yes no one one and yeah one in ten no one in ten overall had been had been turning to cannabis whether they used it or not so i think that was kind of uh, specifically uh, to deal with stress and uh yes, yes, yes isolation and boredom okay that makes sense um and uh, sorry <laughs> go ahead no go ahead i think um uh, the opposition one other thing that has really played in people's favor although you know canada is different from usa because canada it was more a government mandate and in the us it was more active resistance people voted and change um but uh, here support for legalization has increased over the past three years 2018 2019 2020 so it's uh it's uh it, it really has within can within canadians already yes 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 Yes, and and although people um, think or hope that or, or hoping for the elections in, in the U.S. to to really turn turn the tables over and and how their the federalization of the drug would really open business and uh, open business across borders, uh, and 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 again grow the market exponentially. I think I think the what looks like to what it looks like is that the focus might be just on on decriminalization rather than on growing the business, uh, growing the category as a business. And I think this is what. 
perhaps concerns uh, concerns several in, in the industry and in terms of um, um, or I mean, it, it could be that finite innovation and regulation, but um, and, and and I think I mean it's, it's been a success story despite the despite the caveats and the criticisms out there. But 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 there is always uh, scope for opportunities, and I think people are trying to see how to best to maximize the business opportunity here uh, from this industry, um, while also being you know uh, one not taking away from the other efforts in terms of advocacy and equity and sustainability within the cannabis space. So. So I think, um, yeah, and I think to your your point about the um, can of the health and wellness benefits, and those who are who have never tried it before starting there, I think that is really speaking to what the can of curious are looking for. Those who have been interested and might be willing to try it, but they're not going to be that necessarily regular everyday experience user. But they are moving away from, like you said, uh, uh, nicotine based vapes and opiates and and trying these new methods and getting into cannabis sort of slowly but surely in that category um, as their first step. And I think that's a really untapped potential market that we're now seeing brands in the US pay more attention to and businesses I think as a whole pay more attention to where, you know, in the early days of the industry, certainly in Colorado, there was a lot of focus on um, that mid twenties male who was consuming a lot and purchasing a lot, but now we're seeing as there's more different types of people come in, the marketing being expanded and the research, I think backing that up and showing that in a way that almost felt like an educated guest before. So that's, um, that's, that's interesting to see that you're seeing that as well. Yeah. So one of the other questions I have for you is that how can marketers use data and research to solidify their cannabis marketing strategy? And if you have any examples or have worked with any, you know, any brands that come to you for information, how can, how can these businesses use data and research to improve how they communicate with their customers? Yes, yes, and I think this is this is a really interesting and very important critical question for, for most uh, for most brands and most companies. I think uh, the reason why also I held the seminar was to represent the real data diversity um, in, and insights in the cannabis space, both in Canada and the U.S. And was hoping that uh, you know uh, we'd be able to uh, figure out or tackle the sticky question of what's truth and what is perception uh, to to really uh, understand the the. the what are the kinds of insights we should dig for in this space? So, um, so I think there is uh, that's a, that's a, we have the we have the consumer insights which you've seen a bit of, and we have the product and uh, patient insights which uh, which are also coming. I mean, a lot of uh, pharmacies do this themselves. A lot of uh, a lot of uh, insights companies do this themselves. Uh, a lot of B two B research uh, involves this. Uh, but but you, and then you have product insights uh, which are insights about uh, use and effects which which some companies are doing at scale, like our friends at uh, our colleagues at uh, Strain Print. Um, uh, and and this uh, this is uh, informing how brands are making uh, decisions about uh, and from both the illicit and the illicit markets. So they they uh, tracking uh, the recruiting participants and tracking their their use and and the effects of uh, of certain products on their uh, on their well being and uh, and trying to trying trying to match consistency and trying to see if um, now, now these are plants plants are so unpredictable. Um, uh, yes, consumers want to know what uh, what terpene is there on their on their product label, but but trying to understand uh, how to 
how to put it together and, and to see uh, whether this, this drug can be relied on consistently for, for, uh, for the same dosage and is what they're trying to do when they're trying to do uh, product insights. And I think that's an interesting category to really uh, try and um, try and leverage opportunities for brands. Uh, I, know, I know there's a lot of there's a lot of perception that there's not enough research about uh, about brands and that the biggest competition is um, is the illegal market. But that's I think that that's slowly, slowly closing in as more brands try to take this opportunity to, to do more research around uh, product insights. And it's not just product insights. They should also uh, they should be able to marry the, the the consumer insights, the patient insights, the product insights, and the point of sale data, and also the enterprise resource planning data, which is that big data which uh, people like Cresco Labs are doing. And um, I mean, it's, there's a place for for what kind of data you need, but um, uh, but even our partners at Headset, uh, our colleagues at Headset, they they provide a lot of interesting information about the, the, the how retail is doing across the provinces. So that really helps um, helps consumers. Um, uh, uh, helps retailers uh, grow their brand and know where the opportunities and the risks are. Um, it, it's uh, so. So there is there is a huge opportunity here for brands that really align themselves with the education, but also the customer experience. And customer experience is something we're talking about in every every sector. And um, and this is changing with COVID because it's um, it's becoming customers are becoming more fragmented. You know how you don't know how the pandemic has affected them individually or their business, and uh, and trying to reach them is harder. But uh, but but the job of brands now is to uh, is to elevate customer experience at every touch point, which is it's it's physical, right. and so um, and I think one more thing that that uh, insight that uh, really shook the board for for many people is or many brands is the the consumer level of awareness and uh, confusion around uh, THC and CBD and both Zavidina and Hayus Insights um, pointed that out they had similar uh, research and how uh, that ambiguity is really um, is really what uh, brands should capitalize on by creating more sessions more uh, sessions educational sessions or events around uh, what the different uses are of the different terpenes what the different are with different products and and I think THC and CBD are just basic there's so many hundreds of ca cannabinoids that are right. That brands don't really uh, uh, know too much, uh, uh, aren't really exploiting too much. So I think, uh, yeah, I, I think in terms of marketers should really uh, leverage the stories by being at the on the same page with the consumers, and uh, the way they can do that is by uh, knowing when to use what uh, what data. And I think these these different sections that I mentioned, the product insights, the consumer insights, the patient insights, and the ERP data are really going to um, are really going to help them. Um, Paint a fuller picture of the consumers, and and, and uh, oh, yes, I have one thing I've seen less of is the qualitative research. I mean, uh, there's more. I mean, a lot of it is being done, but we're not seeing more of that. Um, the results of that, because I think that would definitely uh, help uh, help provide a more uh, fuller fuller picture. And whether this is with uh, opinion leaders, business leaders, but also with consumers, and I think we need both sides of the story to to understand the challenges and opportunities. That's a really good point, and I think. As an industry, we all together have to solve the education gap problem. And I think when you've been in it for a while, it's very easy to think, oh, THC, CBD, that's so basic, but it, it's really not necessarily obvious to the average consumer out there. And so it is on the brands and it is on the leaders in the industry to educate about that so that consumers can make informed decisions when they're making products. And something I think we saw at your conference and as a trend in the industry in general is these more niche and sophisticated products where they're able to say, you know, fast acting, you're going to feel this in 15 minutes or um, fast acting and it's going to help you fall asleep. And so the marketing and the messaging is getting more targeted as far as the effects, the timing um, and what it's going to feel like or what it's going to do. So I've seen a trend where they're moving a little bit away from 
kind of the scientific or industry jargon and using, uh, you know, effect-based terms to describe what's going on. But that's often not enough where consumers are going to the retail, you know, point of sale and saying to the bud tender, how does this work in 15 minutes? What, how is it going to impact me? Um, why is it going to feel this way? And we, we as an industry need to be able to provide that level of education and really elevate, as you said, for brands, the consumer experience at all touch points, starting with product quality and efficacy. So um, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. So let's see, what else? Uh, what ways do you believe that marketing will continue to grow the cannabis industry in the future? And what do your findings tell you about potential growth? Where Where's the opportunities there and what are you seeing? Yes, and I think uh, this is, uh, this is again, this is going to be an, um, I mean, it's going to be, the, the future is again going to be rooted in data and trying our best to uh, marry these uh, these data and insights films with with, with real, can with cannabis and the, with cannabis clients and cannabis companies and cannabis brands and LPs and not just them, but uh, those acting, uh, those participants across the value chain is really going to, uh, really going to help us and help us understand and uh, enhance the customer journey, whatever our, uh, whatever our businesses or organization is, is doing in the space of cannabis. And I think, uh, we need to be aware of uh, how we are uh, communicating the disasters as much as how we are communicating the success stories. And um, and I think there's a, there's as there is varied levels of caution and risk taking towards uh, towards consumption and adoption of, of of these different cannabis products. It's um, we know we have a very fragmented consumer base, but uh, and there's old consumers and then there's new consumers, and, and it's much more complicated than that, or, or it's much more granular. Yeah. Than that. And our, our, we had uh, we had that story. We heard that story from I think Jean Le Pen about uh, how how the three year old who consumed uh, 400 milligrams of um, of, of THC filled uh, sour skittles uh, really really hit, uh, splashed the headlines and really made uh, caused a lot of concern and anxiety and and you know put again uh, it it created uh, a worry about the industry and how it was being projected and you know how the 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 points of access to legal products versus illegal products like those things vary vary audience and worry people about the industry. So I think the more we're able to uh, to, to understand why this is happening and, uh, and, and, to, and to be able to rectify the, the problems in terms of you know, safety and making sure safe products are available to, uh, to, to the right audience and you know, making sure the underage consumption does not happen and all of that is, is, really, uh, is really going to be the, the key here, but also uh, in how we communicate that to, uh, to people who are reading this news about the, the disasters and, and the successes. I mean, the focus here was that the problem here was uh, that uh, the child should not have been um, in, in 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 the radius of that of that product, and uh, and and that and it was an illegal. Pro I mean, it was uh, 400 milligrams of THC kept in, in the radius of that child, and you know it. Uh, there there were many problems there, and I think uh, I think how we communicate the story to to audiences is is going to be um, increasingly important. And again, we're going to have to rely a lot on, on good data, and we're going to have to rely a lot of, on educators, especially cannabis educators, to um, to really uh, to really bridge bridge the knowledge gaps, but. Um, in, in terms of, um, th that's why we have to have these guidelines in place. And when we're doing research, we need to have these age gates and we need to um, ensure that, you know, our respondents are meeting these certain criteria. We need to have uh, nurses or medical uh, medical assistants or uh, doctors, uh, physicians on hand and, you know, make sure that there's a post, at least uh, there's a 24 hour checkup or, um, or even still, or even after, depending on the project, just to make sure that there's no, uh, there's been no negative harms or, or of the research project that's happened. And um, and I think uh, the 
marketing will continue to, uh, to, to just grow the industry. We need to, to be better data storytellers and, um, yeah. and uh, be like journalists, but also be like marketers. So there's the truth, which is the voice of journalism and, and perception, which is the voice of marketing and blending both with, with good data is really going to give us the boost and, uh, and maximize the business opportunity in, in ethical ways. I hear that. Okay, cool. Um, where do you see the industry growing within the, where do you see the industry going within the next year or the next five years? Hmm. So I, I think, um, uh, yes, I, I, this is something I've, I've tried to, uh, this is a very interesting category and uh, we've seen, you know, cannabis 1.0, which was chiefly flower driven. Then we saw cannabis 2.0, which was, um, uh, which was with all these diverse formats centering the market uh, newer to Canada, I mean, longer there in, in market site Colorado, and as you know, uh, but in the US, yes, but and then, then there's cannabis 3.0, which is now where how uh, technology and cannabis are intersecting to, uh, to really offer real time data, like uh, we saw our colleagues at strain print or uh, or at headset and or at um, uh, audacia biosense which is another company that does a lot of uh, virtual clinical trials um i, I think of, and also use the effective use of um now i know more is going to criticize this but effective use of ai powered data mining and internet of things is really going to to um, improve the personalization of the experience in terms of making recommendations to um, to, to cannabis buyers or uh, legal cannabis buyers online and offline. And, and I think one of the consumer dichotomies that we uh, got to, Vivian Williams-Wilson actually pointed this out in her in her presentation, was, was um, uh, the online consumers are drifting more towards the uh, towards the illicit sources rather than uh, the legal online sources because they're more attracted towards that and they're, uh, they they feel like they're getting more information and they're getting more uh, a better experience there. So I think, uh, and she's tried to combat that and she gave a great presentation that. So I think the future of retail, e-tail, uh, you know, that understanding uh, the digital space better, uh, providing a more fuller customer experience and, and taking advantage of Cannabis 3.0, which is this uh, technology, mix of technology and cannabis to, um, to, to really consolidate all the data we have and, and really understand the consumers at a, you know, a drop down um, uh, in, in a through data visualizations and, and, and at a really granular level, it's going to really help help us. Um, and, and I think that's where market research and uh, the new market research, which is uh, the big data and all of that, or the AI and analytics are going to combine and going to find a lot of opportunities in, in trying to understand the evolving consumer. But then, uh, and then the last, I think, uh, five years, you mentioned 10 years, um, cannabis 4.0, which which is uh, tapping into the hundreds of cannabinoids that people don't yet know about. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I'm still trying to uh, chart what, what difference has uh, have have the if if the if the ambiguity has changed um, about THC and CBD, but once that has been overcome, then I think uh, there's opportunities for brands like Shoppers Drug Mart in Canada. They 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 made a lot of strides in trying to um, in, in trying to uh, in trying to partner with with companies like I think True Taste Technologies, but also uh, this to, to try and uh, exploit other or harness other other cannabinoids. And I and I've heard of some LPs who are doing it. They're harnessing into other cannabinoids to create to curate better experiences for. Um, uh, for reasons and try to grow their competitive edge and and that's where maybe the brand memorability and all of that could uh when cannabis 4.0 conveys some sense of safety uh, because we're relying on other cannabinoids that are not just uh seen as black or white like you know uh thc cbd you know um yeah, i think that's when uh maybe branding and maybe creativity and more differentiation will be possible and, and where competition uh Will be uh, will be more vibrant, and it might be uh, it might be seen as safe, and people people won't be misled, and people there might be 
um, lesser problems. So, so the, in, in short, I guess the future the future looks looks bright with with that. I mean, um, the health and wellness space is, is continued uh, is, is going to continue drive innovation. I mean, it's valued at four point three billion dollars currently in, over here in Canada, but um, but I think uh, and four in ten users are using it uh, as as a remedy for uh, for depression yeah. and other ailments. So I think there's there's a huge huge opportunity in in in, in in this in this space, especially with cannabis 4.0, I, I don't know when we'll get to it. I mean, we just about uh, succeeded with cannabis 2.0 or succeeding at it, and there's still a lot of um, a long way to go according to retailers across the country in different provinces. But I think when we get to 4.0, we'll uh, we'll reach a truly competitive and collaborative marketplace that uh, that's going to um, I don't know harness our full potential. <laughs> at least that's the that's what it looks like. What do you think? I, I would agree with that. I would agree with that. And I liked how you framed 4.0 with the other cannabinoids, because I think we're seeing some brands start to push it now and start to uh, maybe anticipate it and get out ahead of it a little bit. But it is, at least in the consumer's mind, quite far away. Um, and I think quite a complex concept to understand. And I mean, when I have conversations with people, I still have to tell them you have an endocannabinoid system. Part of why this works and cannabis works for so many different ailments and so many different medical conditions is because you have a system in your body designed to be a receptor for these cannabinoids of which THC and CBD are just two of hundreds. So we really are just scratching the surface of it. Um, and I, I think it's a very exciting, the data is showing us, my felt experience in the industry is showing us and what I've learned from consumers, friends, family, you know, the can of curious that are now becoming kind of cannabis uh, total adopters is, is definitely leading in that direction. So I, I agree that I think the future is bright and it'll be interesting to see the innovation, the data and the trends that come out of it, but it's moving quickly, as we've all said, and I think it's just gonna continue to pick up. And certainly here in the US, 2021 has felt a bit different now with our, our change of government and a potential path towards um, some form of a decriminalization or legalization opportunity at that federal level. So we'll see, but I think it'll be fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you, Arundhati. How can our listeners connect with you or find you? Any you know plugs you want to give for yourself or MRIA before we leave? Oh yeah, oh, yeah. Check out um, check out our check out our website. Check out um, find me on LinkedIn. Um, check out MRIA on Google. Um, check um, and uh, or check out the other platform, uh, I, I generation1.ca, which also hosts a lot of stories. It's more like uh, curates uh, stories and research and uh, connecting brands with newcomers, and and that's where you know there's three uh, three buckets. Uh, Newcomers, nonprofit associations, and um, and cannabis, and I found that the levels of stigma varied across across these three. And I think that was uh, that was just um, it's just I love when when there's a lot of collaboration across sectors and industries. And I think that the uh, that, that the best way to uh, to be data driven is to connect to an association uh, to an association like ours. So so find feel free to connect on LinkedIn and um, and uh, or on or you could connect at, uh, you'll find my email on the website as well. So um, check out mria.arim.ca and, uh, and arundhati at generation1.ca. And um, you're going to, uh, I'm looking forward to all the research opportunities and all the research collaborations that all are, uh, that all are different um, uh, and, and how, how we can help, how our insights can serve the marketing community better. So, so, uh, so get in touch and, and drop us a line and let us know what projects you're working on and how we can, uh, grow the industry together. <laughs> awesome. 
Well, thank you so much. It was a pleasure to have you here. And for our listeners, you can find us at thecannabismarketingassociation.com. And we're on Instagram at Party Like a Marketer and at Canna Marketing. Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, we're across all social media platforms. And would love to hear your feedback and suggestions. And we'll see you at next week's episode. Thank you. 